0: everybody, welcome to mountain bike podcast, and it's an episode of it. It Mm. is. And we're glad that you're with us. This is where we talk about all things mountain biking. Uh, we. And
1: and gravel things.
0: Yeah. Gravel things occasionally too. Even though some people, we did get an email saying, stop talking about that stuff. No. But, (laughs) so I think we might've lost a listener there, but on that note, uh, numbers have been picking up. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we. I, I'm not going to share the numbers out loud. I'll share them with you right after this, Steven, because I forgot to mention this before we hit record. But oh. it's exciting stuff. It's growing. Yeah. Uh, thanks to all of you guys that are that are spreading the word. Keep doing so. Uh, yeah. More and more people are listening. So. We're at like
1: 198 reviews on iTunes, by the way. I know. Keep that up. Yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah, really good. Good folks. Yep. Uh, Five star reviews there. Uh, th- we are going to be updating the swag and everything else. I'm just getting my life in order. I'm I'm, I'm organizing my home because I have not put any dedication or focus into that over the past few months because of how busy I've been with work and travel. Very true. So I'm getting all that sorted and then we'll get into the swag. We'll get into uh, a ride day that we're going to do next year slash perhaps days. Uh, mm-hmm. one of them is going to be in Sedona, Arizona is yes. the plan. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. And a bunch of different ways, how you can contribute to that. We're going to have some Patreon content, the whole deal. Anyway, there are big plans is, is, is the thing I'm getting at. But, uh, Steven, this episode is just going to be focused on questions. again. More qu- part two. Yeah, because we didn't do enough in part one at all. Question. That's
1: a ridiculous question. False. Well, that's debatable.
0: All right. Uh, first one, it comes from Ken. Whenever I hear the word, the name Ken, I think of Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. I think one of the guys was named Ken. Well, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, if you I can't remember his last name, but yeah. If you don't know what Most Extreme Elimination Challenge is. Spike TV. Yeah, there's internet. You can look it up. Good stuff. Good times. Uh, this was way before wipeout people. So he says, okay. Uh, Hey, just an idea. I think it would be cool if you went over the results of the Iceman Cometh challenge this weekend, seeing how you have so many listeners. Kabush and Nash were first in pros. I think, uh, thanks. Hope to see you at Iceman next year. I'll buy you a beer. Love the podcast five stars. Hopefully you'll buy me a root beer Ken. Cause I don't drink. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. Iceman Cometh, it's like one of the main, like the biggest races of the year at the end of the year. That's kind of how it all, it all works. Right. Uh, it's, it's in Michigan. It's extremely cold. Most of the time they get snow, they get rain. I think last year, the year before, yeah, 2016, it was actually not bad at all. Like people were even without arm warmers and stuff this year, not the case, Mm -hmm. many mud, lots of cold. Yeah, so yes. Um but it's it's a gnarly course and a gnarly race. Uh I want to say that it's about a 50-mile race, but I may be wrong here. Um oh no, 30 miles long it looks like. So I could be wrong on that. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Anyways, it's we get hit up to go to this race so much. Yeah. Like <laughs> So much, not me, cause well, everybody knows I wouldn't, well, <laughs> but like us as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then also on my, with the trainer road podcast, we hear it all the time too. Yeah. Uh, my paternal family's from Michigan. So at some point this will happen. Nice. Um, so at some point, anyways, let's go over the results really quick. Mm-hmm. Cause this is interesting. So Payson McKelvin won it last year, a yeah. uh, friend of the podcast. How's it going Payson? Uh, but this year Jeff Kubusch won it, but he retired. This is all, you know, not, oh, no, <laughs> he, he isn't like Wells did race this by the way, even yeah. though Wells is retired. Yeah. Kabush hasn't officially retired. Kabush is uh, he's got, he's been using the hashtag all year of like, keep riding until the fun stops. So he's just carrying on and it seems to be working well because True. he's winning a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, Hey, why, why stop? So good job, Jeff. Also a friend of the podcast there. Howard Grotz got third, a uh, fourth was Ben Sontag, the happiest German in the world.
1: Interesting. Yes. He's the
0: best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to meet him at park city this year Well, we spent the weekend together cause we were staying at the same house, you know, Yeah, he is the happiest person I've ever come across. Nice. He's awesome. And then Chris Blevins got fifth, the, the prodigy, the, the upstart that'll mm-hmm. be coming up into things yep. on the women's side of things. Katarina Nash won. That, uh, that's is that
1: surprising, Oh
0: man. She's, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, what an athlete, right? Uh, yeah. dual Olympian, the whole thing isn't like dual isn't like summer and winter. It's pretty amazing. Uh, then Rose Grant got second from the stands, no tubes team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catherine Patterson got third, Aaron Huck got fourth. She rides for Cannondale three rocks and Chloe Woodruff got fifth. Um, so good job. It's all the women too. The, the gnarliest thing about this race is like. It was freezing. It was covered in mud. They were covered in mud. They were completely worn out. And then afterward they have like a, a famous massive after party that everyone has to go to. So mm-hmm. nice. Anyways, pretty cool stuff. Uh, let's get into some more questions and tips that people have sent in. Uh, we'll rip through them quick from Charlie. Just listened to your latest podcast of the lengthy convo about what's a carry on rides and wanted to add a California rider also should always have IV wipes in their packs or car. So itchy. Otherwise keep yeah. on keeping on
1: poison. Ivy, poison Oak. It's not a bad idea.
0: Mm, yeah. I like it. I, I, have you ever gotten poison Oak before?
1: Um, no, I've, I've gone skidding through lots of it and it's never reacted with me.
0: Yeah. I don't get it too bad. I get itchy, which is crazy. Cause I have really crappy skin. Like yeah. Steven's looking at me right now. It's really bad, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. It's great. It's terrible,
1: but it goes along with your dainty stomachs. So. Exactly.
0: Right. Yeah. <clears throat> lots of daintiness. Um, but, yeah. and I've never had a reaction to it. Yeah. Uh, that said, if people go to the TDS enduro, yeah. which basically stands for like tour de poison Ivy, I think yeah, you will be covered. I think it's Italian for yeah. Tour de poison Ivy. <laughs> yes, indeed okay. it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That one is, is pretty bad with yeah. that. So really good idea. Anything else that you would add on?
1: Um, things that you should carry? No, I don't think so. All right. And tech new is always, you know,
0: tech new. Yeah. Yep.
1: That's what, in fact, they're one of the sponsors for the TDS Enduro. Oh, really? (laughs) So all the racers actually get a little bit of it. That's that's that's
0: clever. Just Just in case. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, From Steve. Once again, you can just let me know if you have a question, Steve. But it's not me. It's a different Steve. Ah, Yes. Okay. Hey guys, I generally love the podcast. Generally, I mean, as I do as well. I generally <laughs> love it as well.
1: Yeah,
0: I like that. Good contingency there. He says after near 30 years of road and track racing, I'm starting to get into mountain biking as a new mountain biker, your knowledge and dedication to the details is really helpful. I'm going to be aiming at XC marathons. My only gripe with you guys and why I haven't yet submitted a five-star review. <gasps> He's only a hostage. Again, I know those five star reviews don't like to be held hostage.
1: They don't. They can let them free. Yes. Let them free, Steve.
0: <laughs> yes, he says that your XC, that your XC is nearly non-existent on your podcast. I don't know about that. I feel like we talk about it.
1: I think we talk about XC and training for XC a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I bet an enduro bro is like riding and going like. Shut up about XC. Yeah. You know, like. said, XC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I think that we can all come together, be a big, happy family. Uh, and let's talk about some XC stuff. Let's talk about XC. All right. So he says, I'm not talking about race results and such, but more about the lack of XC bike talk and reviews. I understand that at the moment, the whole downhill enduro bro thing is in, but there are still a whole lot of us who dress in Lycra and actually like riding fast uphill and train and train properly and pay attention to power numbers, not just roll around downhill with grace. Come on, Jonathan. You know what I mean? He says,
1: can we take a break from that and talk about. The XC ride that we did this last weekend. Let's do it. Yeah. We did. We should. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. So Jonathan calls me on a Friday night and Mm -hmm. says, Hey, tomorrow morning, let's go uh, ride from Reno, Nevada up over to Incline Village and back. And then back. It was a 33 mile ride, 6,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. We pretty much start down in Reno, go up over Mount Rose, which is an 8,900 foot summit. Yep. Um, it's the highest year round pass in the Sierras and so we took that up and over on dirt going up on dirt. Mm -hmm. And then we hit, uh, the Tahoe Meadows, um, did the Tyrolean downhill, which is a pretty famous regional downhill. It's fun, man. Yeah.
0: It's, it's like, it's got little like option lines everywhere and it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so we did that and then climbed back up and over the summit and back to our car, um,
0: another downhill trail on another
1: downhill, which shall not be named. It will not. Yes. <laughs> no. His merry men were there though. Ah, there's a yeah. hint. Yeah. yeah. So, it was good, man. It was a great ride. And yeah. what were we riding? We were riding XC bikes. Yeah, I was on a scalpel without <laughs> yeah. a dropper post. I was super XC that day.
0: <laughs> you were. Yeah. Um, we, while we were stopping and admiring the, the flora and fauna in fall time in this region. And taking photographs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we got past. We did. Uh, hopefully he's listening. He was an awesome dude. Dr. We Phil. We him later on. Yeah. Dr. Phil. Um he he looked the part man. Yeah. He Troyly designs everything on a specialized enduro. Yeah. Uh it had the goggles on. I don't blame him for coming up on two dudes that were high posting, one of them in Lycra, and going and they're on, you know, little XC bikes going, e, do you think I could pass by? And he was nice about it. Totally was. Yeah. Yeah. So he asked if he could get by and we're like, Sure, yeah, of course. Yeah, help yourself. Then what did you do? <laughs>
1: I asked if we should give him a lead out so we didn't catch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was, I think he heard. Yeah. And he kind of, you know, turned it up a little bit. So maybe he did. I don't yeah. know. So we, we,
0: you know, we caught up to him. We did. Yeah. And uh, when I got up to him, I was thinking, man, I hope this guy, because I don't know him, I hope he doesn't take this the wrong way. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. So I said, Never a good look when a dude in Lycra is on your back, <laughs> yeah. which on that trail. Yeah. That's a hundred XC bike. And eh, it's yeah. A, yeah, it's a downhill trail. So, yeah. um, and not just like pointing downhill, but it's actually like a legit, like shuttling downhill trail. So, Absolutely. uh, and, but luckily he, and I laughed with that and he laughed with it and he was very shocked to know that we were oh. on XC bikes right there on him. Yeah. Uh, it was a ton of fun.
1: So. Yeah. So I hung back about 20 feet and kind of watched that whole thing happen. And I'm like with my knee, I'm going to go and just hang back here and whatever unfolds, I'm going to let that unfold and we'll chat yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> yeah.
0: We started pinning it. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was so. good.
1: And, uh, it turns out, uh, he's friends of, uh, uh, Brittany and Andrew Cavallato at yep. Scotts Valley Cycle Sport. Awesome and, shop. Uh, if
0: you're ever in the Santa Cruz area, give them, a, give them a look they're, yeah. they're They know their stuff on road, on gravel, on mountain bike, on yeah. everything else. Those Like there are a lot of bike shops where you find the people that are like, like, they just don't know what's what about modern stuff, especially.
1: And these people definitely.
0: Oh, heck yeah. 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 And they, they walk the, they walk the talk. They do. They are ripping riders. So they are.
1: Yeah. It was pretty cool, man. So that was fun. So we did that on XC bikes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Anyway, back to Steve's question. More XC. Uh, he says, and my understanding is that the top XC bikes in this last year or so have really made some major changes and improvements in suspension, geometry, and the like. Uh, they seem to have taken a massive step forward in capability. This is true. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As someone who is now in the market for a top of the line XC bike, I would love to hear you guys talk about the ins and outs of the few or of a few of the newest XC bikes and their respective differences of pros and cons, I guess to name a few, the new specialized Epic Cannondale scalpel, Trek top fuel, Scott spark and new giant Anthem. Anyway, I'll keep the five-star review holstered for the time being. Let it out. Like a gun Just let it go. Let that thing go. We might
1: lose our organic designation if you don't let it go free range.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Free range reviews. Yeah, yeah. cage-free. Yeah. It says cheers from down under, Australia. Okay, so Let's talk about these bikes.
1: We can't really talk a whole lot about the Trek top fuel or the giant Anthem. I don't think you and I have very much experience on them.
0: No, I can uh, speak secondhand of the Trek top fuel. Okay. But I can't speak. And I guess actually I can speak secondhand of the giant Anthem too. Okay. In other words, I have not ridden those bikes, but I I have heard from people that I trust in terms of their riding skill and ability to understand a bike. Okay. So uh, which one do you wanna go with first? Uh, Let's cover the scalpel first. Okay. So the Scalpel Si.
1: Scalpel is my favorite bike. Yep. In the XC lineup, I love that
0: bike. And 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 disclaimer, of course. You, I, I do I do ride for Cannondale. You ride for Cannondale. Um, but I do it by choice. Okay. Yeah, which which you you I can genuinely say you did. Yeah.
1: So, that bike hundred mils front and rear, mm-hmm. full sprint lock lockout front and rear. It turns into a hardtail. Um, the Scalpel team that I'm riding right now is a 21 pound bike mm-hmm. without a dropper. Mm -hmm. Um, it is scary fast on climbing and efficient. It is super stiff all the way around the lefty simple
0: single pivot in the rear. Yeah, but it's super effective. It doesn't bob
1: around. No. And I barely ever lock it, um, at all. Like I leave that suspension wide open for the most part in the rear.
0: Yeah. Unless like you go onto a road for a while. That's That's the only
1: time on pavement is the only time that it's even effective. Otherwise you just lose traction because you start bouncing even with an efficient pedal stroke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The lefty is an amazing fork. Um, It's super stiff. It, you know, it's very tight and it's steering as far as you aim it, it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond that, you know, there are some very specific things you have to like. Yes. In order like Cannondale. The big difference with Cannondale is Cannondale goes above and beyond and does their own engineering in a lot more places. Yes. To the with the bike complete.
0: The wheels, for example.
1: Yeah. You have to you're gonna have a lefty hub. You're gonna have lefty hub up front
0: and you're gonna have the AI offset in the rear. Which means that basically, like if you're to hold the hub in the same place, but the spokes were like rubber, if just bear with me, you're basically shifting that rim laterally but keeping the hub in place. We're moving that rim in relation along that ac- that that horizontal axis, removing that rim in relation to the hub.
1: So what the AI system does, the way that they uh, that they do it on the scalpel, you've got your center line of your frame. Looking from the rear of the bike towards the front, you've got the center line. Mm-hmm. The tire and wheel or the tire and rim stays in that center line. The hub itself is kicked six millimeters over to the drive side. Okay. Then what they do is they actually take the bottom bracket and they add five millimeters to the non-drive side to widen that BB30 bottom bracket out to mm-hmm. give it more of a stable platform and a stiffer base. Gotcha. So what that allows them to do is you can run a bigger tire, have a shorter chain stay, and still keep your chain out of the tire mm-hmm. for when you've got, you know, an Eagle drivetrain when you're running that big of a spread. Yeah. So it all in all just the AI system alone stiffens up that frame astronomically and the rear wheel. Because now what you're doing is you're evening out spoke angles from left to right. Mm -hmm. So what boost does in widening that spoke angle, boost is still not an even spoke tension side to side. It's just a wider base. So it's stiffer in general. Yeah. So the AI system go on the scalpel stays at 142 millimeters, yeah. but it evens out that spoke angle by kicking the hub six millimeters to the drive side.
0: I'd say that the scalpel wins on fork. Yeah. The, in terms of XC bikes, there isn't a better fork in my mind than the lefty. Yeah. Uh, RS1's good, yeah. but the lefty is a better fork. Yeah. Uh, we went into that in depth on last We did, one. yeah. Uh, I also think that it wins on stiffness. Yes. Um, I would say so. Uh, I'm going to jump into the Specialized Epic, the new one. Okay. Um, it's got a solid geometry. It's, it's a, got really short rear end on there. Yeah. The rear center is short. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a little bit lengthier front center than my ASR, if, if I remember correctly, just maybe a, uh, a bit more. Uh, it's got, it's a strong, it's a really stiff front triangle on that f- yeah. bike too. Uh, I believe a it's a
1: lengthier front center, but a slightly steeper head tube angle. Yes, So it's, it's going makes. to have a similar cockpit feel. Yes. And similar... Riding to yours, just with similar.
0: It's just, um, it's specced with a 100 millimeter fork. Yeah. Uh, So that means that once again, your effective head tube angle is a little more severe than with like a 120 millimeter fork, like on my ASR. But, uh, but the thing that I really like about the Epic, it's kind of the opposite of the Cannondale in one respect, in the sense that it's versatile. Like you can put a variety of different forks on there. The Mm -hmm. wheels are going to be the same and specialized above all, they make so many of the things themselves. So like, uh, you know, the revolve wheels, that's an, in, that's a house owned brand, even though it's mm-hmm. still a separate company, yeah. uh, they make a bunch of different things. And, and I feel like the one thing specialized does pretty well is they spec their own stuff, like their phenom saddle, super good saddle, yeah. the bottle cages they have are really good. The Z uh, side loader, and then the rib cage, they're mm-hmm. awesome bottle cages. Yeah. I don't know why people spend a lot of money on other ones. It just doesn't make sense. They're yeah. really cheap. Um, they do a lot of good things with that, and also, I think that we can agree on this. I think Specialized has the best paint jobs.
1: Oh, the new paint job on the new Epic is amazing.
0: Yeah, they have they have good looks. They do. So uh, the Epic is modernized. Check, it's mm-hmm. done there. So it's an option. Uh, the Trek Top Fuel. I'll just talk about and and actually for the next ones, this all has to be secondhand now. Um, the Trek Top Fuel. I've talked to somebody that he is a ripping enduro racer his name is Bryce Lewis he mm-hmm. works here at Trainer Road actually yeah. um but he's a um he's a really fast enduro racer he rides for the or he's ridden for the Bear Dev team for a long time and i think he's riding for Scott this year but mm-hmm. He rode the top fuel last year. And then I think that he had the fuel EX and then he had the remedy maybe in the slash or maybe just the, I slash. think he just had the
1: slash. He didn't have a remedy.
0: Yeah. And he did not like the fuel EX and he felt like his top fuel did things better than the fuel EX did Okay, him, in terms of like handling gnarly terrain. He mm-hmm. said it just was, it felt like such a capable little bike. Okay. Um, it's, it's got it's light or it's relatively light for how complex everything is with a yeah. trek. you know, they've got yeah. a lot going on. Um, the suspension action is really good. It's it's, I, I don't know if it does any specific thing better than another, but what I can say is that under the hands of a really, really good rider on really rough terrain, it's not scared at all. Okay. So, uh, Scott spark is the same thing. The Scott spark. What I like about it is the aesthetics. I know this is silly
1: since but they just changed it this year. It's a, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful bike.
0: It's like a well-designed looking bike. And this, the shock is now vertical. But yep. that doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's still the same single pivot design that they used to have. Yeah. So, um, it flexes in the rear and it's designed to do that. Um, it's, it's an awesome bike, like yeah. just straight up a, a good bike. A lot of people though, just so that, you know, don't run, I think it's the RC version, which is like the hundred mil one. They run the one that comes with the 120 mil fork yeah. on XC racing, because it makes it more capable. Exactly. And that's one thing to look at with the Epic. And then also with the scalpel and the top fuel. They don't have. They don't come spec with those longer forks. That said, this the Scalpel does have a party version.
1: It does have the Scalpel SE, mm-hmm. and the SE version is uh, kicked up to 120 mils in the front, yeah. and 115 in the rear. There we are. So,
0: so, uh, and then the Giant Anthem. I actually. So uh, this is this is second hand from from a person that rides for Giant. I should, probably should. I'll, I'll I'll leave the name out. But anyways. They said that, that, that bike, the new 29 version is where the, the brand should have been for the past few years. Okay. <laughs> uh, makes sense. Okay. Uh, they said that it is, it is really good. Um, it's really like open and, and, or I should say like with the suspension, how it reacts to bumps and everything else, it is extremely active, extremely active, like very supple. Okay. Um, And they said that you use the the lockout valving quite a lot. Okay. But when you use that, it's extremely efficient when you need it to be. And then it's also very smooth descending.
1: So whereas something like a scalpel where you're going to leave it open most of the time and still pedal really well, this, the, the Anthem has to be locked.
0: Yes. That's what they say. It's a very good idea to do that. Okay. So that's kind of a breakdown on them. Uh, the last thing that I will say. Because, yeah. and people have pointed this out that, uh, the ASR is discontinued. It is gone. They've also told me, they, they asked me, do you know that it's, that it's discontinued? And like, as if they're breaking it to me, to which is going to be okay. Jordan? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to talk? Yeah. I can't say anything, but if we were to do like an XC review at some point in the future, we probably would have another bike to talk about. We might. Is that o- is that okay to say yeah
1: because okay. the yeti 4.5 is old news at this point okay. everybody knows about so, that
0: okay gotcha yeah. yeah okay let's move on okay quickly before people come over here and put a bag over my head <laughs> let's get into wes yes he says hey guys love the podcast i've never really considered a trainer until the podcast and learning more about trainer road Uh, good to hear, man. Are there any smart trainers that would link up to Trainer road under $400? And can you give any recommendations or maybe another option would be to buy a used trainer and maybe buy a power meter. Just looking for your take on this for someone on a strict budget. Thanks. And keep up the good work. Uh, first of all,
1: I'm going to leave this one to you.
0: This is more XC talk. It is. So here you go, man. Uh, but actually this applies to everybody. Um, mountain bikers should use the trainer. Uh, If you're an enduro racer, I don't know why you're trying. You're not using the trainer, like get your intervals intervals out. Like in a very strict fashion like that, because that's the type of, that's the only way you're going to be able to replicate a lot of the efforts all year long with precision. Uh, Otherwise you're going to be leaving it up to the trail to decide that. Yeah. And you might as well have precision. So use the trainer mountain bikers. Okay. So, um, and then use structure with that. Anyways. Yes. Uh, My answer is a yes and no. It's a no because don't buy a smart trainer for $400. No. If you're
1: going to buy a smart trainer, buy a good one.
0: Yep. And the good ones in my mind. Uh, this has no affiliation with trainer robe whatsoever. Please take that as it is. Well okay. kicker, uh, the kicker's good. The hammer's good. Uh, from Cyclops my yeah. the hammer's good. And I think the tax Neo is good. Yeah. Yep. The tax Neo does take some, you have to learn to like it. It feels like crunchy peanut butter a bit as you pedal. Um, okay. that's the best way I can describe it. It's kind of strange. I like crunchy peanut butter. It's great. Yeah. You don't have to plug it into the wall, just like crunchy peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you don't have to plug it into the wall. It's self-powered, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the only three smart trainers that I personally would recommend. Yeah, All the rest of them. Not worth it, man. Beyond that,
1: get, you know, get something like a kinetic road machine 2.0 yes. with inroads. 280
0: bucks. Yeah. Not even the Amazon. inroads one,
1: just get the regular one. Yeah.
0: You yeah. can find it on 280 bucks right now on Amazon. Yeah. And that trainer is better than every other trainer. I think like in terms of, as a trainer, it is, um, it has such good feel it's well engineered so that it doesn't leak. Yeah. Uh, so for those that don't know, kinetic is first and foremost, an aeronautical engineering company, and they make airplane parts and they have for, for many, many years. So, when they make a trainer, they mean business.
1: Yeah. Right? Just so. so you guys know, Airbus is owned by Kinetic. That's how they fund the airplane business. Is this true? No, I just made I all of just that up.
0: Say, <laughs> Whoa. Mind blown. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, sorry. So, anyways, Your eyes were funny on that I was one. Like, Whoa. Yeah. You're like, wow. Uh, anyways, they, they that's a great trainer, it feels very good. Um, sure, it isn't a wheel off one, and that can be tough with mountain biking and everything else. Not really anymore. And why do you say that?
1: Because uh, every Kinetic themselves makes through axles for oh. every bike standard. So even if you have Boost 148, they actually have a through axle adapter for your bike.
0: And with the rise of Grode and Gravel, there are slick tires that yeah. will fit on your wide rims yeah. all day.
1: Yeah. Whether you have 650 B or 29 er or if you're 29 er guess what? You can just throw
0: a road wheel on the back. Hey, 700 C done. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So low in minds. Yeah. So, uh, that's what I would say. Don't go for a smart trainer other than that. And the no. reason for that is because you're going to get a very bad feel with a mm-hmm. smart trainer in many cases, they'll have like a, a more sloppy implementation of the, of Bluetooth ramp plus in there or anything yeah. else like that. Yeah. You'll get communication dropouts, which will be a total pain because you're expecting your trainer to control the resistance. And when it doesn't control that resistance, you'll be very frustrated. Yeah. Um, but I'm about to, I don't use a smart trainer. And I think more people that I think there's a big problem. I think that people think that because smart trainers exist now, it brings a lot of people in and they buy trainers, which is really good. Mm-hmm. But I think that they feel that if they don't have a smart trainer, it's just not worth it. Yeah. And that is ridiculous. It is. I ride, I could ride on any of those trainers all day, right? Mm-hmm. I have them all here. But no, I ride on a set of rollers. You ride on the the, the Elite Rollers from... Yeah. Um, who is it? The uh, Elite Quick Motion. Yeah, Quick the, Motion. The, the rollers. Yeah. yeah. So... But I ride on rollers with a power meter mm-hmm. because for me, the important thing is that I'm hitting my marks and I don't need a smart trainer to to hold me to my power, to make sure I do that. I hit them with the same amount of precision, if not greater. Even. Yeah. yeah. So that's just fine. And I find something more engaging about riding like, uh, like kinetically engaging. Huh, that's a good pun, but mm. like in just riding rollers, right? The balance aspect of it and everything else, it's nothing like riding on the road. It's something totally unique. Yeah. But so. My advice, Wes, is go get a kinetic smart or the kinetic road machine smart, I think they call it. Don't get the smart control. That one's had some issues, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if they're working on those or what. Um, so, uh, But I do know for a fact, because I've used this one plenty, is the road machine is very good.
1: And that's the one I use, and I use uh, Garmin speed and cadence sensors, and that's it. That's
0: it. That's all um, I'd recommend getting the Wahoo ones because they're Bluetooth and amp plus Yeah. so then you don't have to use a dongle to pair it to your phone, Yeah. which is pretty sweet, uh, or get a set of rollers and then buy a power meter from stages on discount for somewhere around 400 bucks. There you go. Yeah. You can do that too. All right, Aaron. Let's move along. Let's okay. He says, hello, Jonathan and Steven. Awesome. Podcast is a fairly new writer. I'm stoked at the content you put out. It's answered a lot of my MTB quandaries solving quandaries, Steven is what we do.
1: Mm. Uh, I like doing quandaries on Saturday.
0: Ah, there. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure if that. Like, do we need to bleep that out? What did you just imply? I don't know. <laughs> okay.
1: It, it rhymed with laundry, so oh, okay. I said laundry. Gotcha. I don't know. Okay.
0: Um, gotcha. Don't mind it was me. some sort of euphemism or something. I didn't know no, what was going on. It's okay.
1: Tuesday. I'm not really there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he says, "I've got a fit problem that I need some input on, and I don't want to spend too much or too much more money taking missteps on this one." Two months ago, I bought an Ibis Ripley GX build, and it came with a 150 millimeter. Fox transfer post. Uh The Ripley has a kink in the seat tube, like many seat tubes. So the post can't go all the way down. And my understanding is the Fox transfer is a fairly long post. He says, it's a tiny bit too tall for me at 5'11". I thought I had solved the problem by switching to a very low profile saddle, the WTB SL eight and moving it as far forward as it goes. Now the fit is just, he's moving the saddle forward. We're getting into some weird bike fit stuff now, right? Because you're trying to get around another problem. Mm -hmm. Now the fit is just about right, but I've come to the conclusion. The saddle is too narrow for me. And I'd be more comfortable on a broader saddle with a little better cutout. The problem is the coupler or the couple wider saddles I've tried are also a little taller and I end up with my knees coming pretty close to locked out on the downstroke. Yeah. That's okay. too tall. Yeah. I think I've got three options. Number one, find a wide saddle. That's also super low pro. Uh, one I can think of with that, you can look at, um, the physique Antares It's not very comfortable, but that yeah. one's wide and very low profile. You can also look at the specialized phenom, the S works or the expert models, the higher end ones. Yeah. That's a low profile saddle okay. that, uh, that's, that's, and you can also get them in varying widths. So you can go to a specialized dealer and you can sit on a thing that takes the imprint of your sit bones and it'll tell you how wide you need on a saddle. Or you can also just sit on a bag of flour. Okay. And it will make sure you seal the bag, or else it yeah. will make quite a mess. It'd be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it would be weird. Uh, but you can do that, and then measure that, and yeah. figure out what size you need to. Um, so that's that's what I would say on that one. Number two, trade out my 150 millimeter post for a 125 millimeter post, or bust out a file and see if I can take five millimeters off the bottom of the transfer. What's no? Your, <laughs> <laughs> why do you say that? <laughs>
1: It don't modify your transfer. Do yeah. not do anything to that uh, that seat post. If anything, go to a 125. But um, the first thing that I'm that I'm thinking about is if you if you're fitting the bike, it sounds to me like at 5'11, I don't know if you're on a large frame, but that seems about right for an Ibis. Mm-hmm. You should be perfect there. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that I would think of before doing any of that. I guess it would be the same cost either way, is whether you switch to a 125 millimeter post or do the new enduro thing and put 170 cranks on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, it's
1: a good point. So the 170 cranks will make it so you're not going quite to lockout if the rest of the bike fit works. Potentially.
0: And yeah. Think, yeah. I, I honestly think just go with a shorter dropper. It's, that's
1: that's the quickest and yeah, easiest way. It, I think.
0: Yeah, it, it makes the most sense. Um, You mentioned the Celia Italia Superflow as a saddle, and the SLR one on that is from everybody that I've spoken to, beside a few random people that like it. They say it is the most uncomfortable saddle that I've yeah. had. Yeah. Uh, it's just pretty rigid, and it's got a huge cutout that's really generous. But I've heard that it it really has to align with your seat, sit bones to actually be comfortable. Yeah. So um, I would just get a shorter dropper, man. Yeah, just get At a one twenty five. You'll be fine. Yeah, and that's it's plenty of drop.
1: That gives you an extra inch of clearance, and now you can pop the saddle up a little bit.
0: There we are. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the Fox transfer performance elite is cheap enough. It's a, you know, $294 retail. So, and you can find it a little bit cheaper. I think Backcountry even right now, um, has a 20% off one item at full price. So there you go. Save some money.
0: Nice. Yeah. And that comes with the black stanchion, right?
1: Yeah. That would be the black version.
0: Even better. Yeah. Nate says, Hey guys, great podcast. Five stars. I just found out about you guys and have spent the two last two weeks listening to all of your stuff. My wife recently, I bet, I bet that he's been the best two weeks of his life. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Unless he has a puppy or something. That's really cute <laughs> and fun. Yeah. He says
0: he has a wife too. Let's just say Yay. the best two. every week is the best week because of your wife. Right? Nate? Yeah, exactly. Okay. My wife recently got a mountain bike and now we go on rides two days a week together, which is the best thing ever. I love sharing my favorite sport with her. I can totally sympathize with that. Yeah. That's awesome stuff. He says, however, since she is just a beginner and just a year and the off road saddle, I get a little bored on our rides. It doesn't help that I have a white knuckle point and shoot enduro rig that I race on. I'm looking for a smaller, more playful. I want to jump off every single thing bike. The wife and I recently went to the kingdom trails. It's a wonderful trail system. I think that's in Vermont. It looks great by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, and I finally rode to Santa Cruz Fifty Ten. I definitely had, or I definitely had some of the BMX like feel that I'm looking for. My buddy keeps suggesting the evil calling. Uh, would you have any other suggestions for a short travel? 27, five fun, poppy BMX, like bike that I should demo. Thanks. I would say actually not the evil because I've heard that they're not playful. No, I've not. The Delta Link one. is
1: just not a super playful. So. It's
0: extremely effective at yeah. soaking stuff up, Absolutely. but I've heard that it's not necessarily playful. So, the the fifty ten is a bike that I think of as actually being very playful. Santa Cruz's have that yeah. feeling. Um, what other ones would you recommend? Uh,
1: Yeti SB five or SB five lunch ride
0: or four five. Well, he's looking twenty seven. 27.5. Um, he's
1: looking twenty 27.5. So we're going to yeah. do the SB5, which is 150 and 127 yep. with a 34 fork.
0: So that's more leggy than a 5010. It's yeah, it's tall. a little
1: more leggy, but you got to remember that it's one twenty, you know, 127 in the rear is the big part of that. So it's very similar in that sense. Yep. Those are your similar bikes. Um, also the Cannondale Jekyll. The not to Jekyll the trigger, the trigger. Right? Yeah, I was gonna the, say
0: that the, the Canadel trigger. The Jekyll, it just kind of like rolls down the hill like an amoeba. It just like sucks everything up. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. an amoeba. That's a yeah. new one. You okay. know what I mean? Like just a jelly. Like it's like flubber, just rolling. Down. It just soaks it all up. It's yeah, all smooth, pretty know? much. Yeah. Uh, so the trigger, yeah, the trigger. So that's
1: that. that's a one fifty front bike, one forty five in the rear. Mm-hmm. But then you have the hustle and flow mode on that rear Gemini shock, and you mm-hmm. you click that, and you're instantly at one hundred and fifteen mils. Mm-hmm. And the Jekyll gets astronomically playful when you pop it into the 130 mode. So the trigger is even more playful. Yeah, And you know, it's a very similar geometry to the 5010. It's like we said, a little bit legier of a bike than a 5010, but it's also gonna be a lighter bike than the 5010. What do you think about the likes to party scalpel? I like the the Scalpel SE2. That could be a good one. The SE1 or the SE2, both of them, whether you want a lefty or a regular fork. Mm -hmm. And that's a 120 mil, 115
0: mil bike. Specialized Camber. Yeah. One that I would totally recommend. That is a killer bike, way underappreciated, never gets much press. And it's the bike that most people should have in terms of like... You know, the bike that we're talking about, and we're not talking about a specific brand or anything else, just this type of genre. That's the bike that the majority of people should have, but we usually get more travel than we need, or if you're a roadie coming into mountain biking, usually get less travel than you need. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, thinking of, I guess, uh, Trek, you could look at their, they have their fuel ex that falls within this, but once again, I have not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had I haven't heard great things about that bike. Like we were talking about earlier. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, man, I think uh, those
1: are your options.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Maybe a uh, Jeff C 27 five.
1: Yeah. Jeff C 27 five would be an interesting oh, bike two. too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Playful bikes. So. Joe says, first, I wanted to say, I've been a listener since episode one, and I'm so glad you guys have stuck with it and keep cranking out quality content. Thanks for what you do. It's our pleasure, Joe. Yeah. Imagine if we tried, (laughs) I'm just kidding, Joe. Sorry. (laughs) He says, I'll be doing my first enduro race next month. However, however, I will be doing it on a demo bike since I sold mine and haven't made up my mind on what I want to buy next. Uh, uh, if there's one thing that I could define as a key to success for racing, it's always just riding a totally foreign bike on race day. Absolutely. <laughs> we all know Yeah, it's established. <laughs> it's a key to success. I'm, I'm joking, Joe, I'm sure it'll be okay. Um, he says any tips and tricks on how to race duro for the first time on an unfamiliar bike. Thanks for your advice. Um, Well, well,
1: you're going to have about five minutes to get familiar with it. So,
0: (laughs) Basically the transfer up to the first stage is going to be it. Um, I I think that we, we can take a principle-based approach with this, uh, measure everything on your bike. And when we say measure everything, we're talking about points of relativity. So, uh, and like, like Einstein, no doubt Mm -hmm. indeed. Yeah. mm -hmm. So, uh, measure from your bottom bracket to where your handlebars actually are. Okay. Find out what that distance is. Okay. Uh, find out how long your top tube is and how long your stem is, add that up and then understand how you're going to be able you're just, just add these things down or add these things up and then, uh, measure center of bottom bracket to the top of your saddle. Yeah. Uh, I would also measure, don't do tip of saddle. I hate when people use tip of saddle because some saddles are super short,
1: okay. right? Yeah.
0: You want to measure at where your sit bones sit on a saddle and see how far behind or in front of the bottom bracket that falls. That's a really good idea. Yeah.
1: Um, so in Joe's case, the problem is here, he did already sell his bike.
0: Oh yeah. Shoot Joe.
1: So you're just going to, you're just going to have to ride it around in the parking lot and get it feeling as good as you can.
0: Joe, you're screwed.
1: Yeah, man. (laughs) No, but he's, he's going to be, he says he will be uh, demoing a Yeti five, five. So he'll be okay.
0: Yeah. That's, this is true. He says, if I can get it arranged, I'll be demoing Yeti five, five. Um, yeah, yeah, he'll be very much okay with that. Uh, the one thing I wanted to say on this is, um, if you can look at the bike that you had. Hopefully you remember how long your stem is. You can mm-hmm. still add these things up. Yes, you can. Uh, and you can look at the numbers and everything else when you, the bike that you end up demoing, find out how long the effective top tube length is instead of the actual top tube length. Right. Yep. Um, and then find out how long your stem is and then find out the other measurements and then just try to line things up as close as you possibly. Exactly.
1: Can. Yeah. No, that's still, cause
0: that's going to give him an equal point of comparison. Yeah. Uh, if he's looking at comparing, but it also just make him more comfortable. Absolutely. So, uh, good luck, Joe. And, uh, w- hopefully we can welcome you to the tribe. That's just from me personally. So, uh, Gabe, he says discovered this podcast only a few weeks ago, and I'm almost caught up on every episode. Seriously, guys, I love this podcast. Good Awesome, to Gabe. Yeah. yeah. I'm currently, currently riding an XL 2016 giant trance two, and I love it. The difference between this and the Kona hardtail, I was riding a few years back is night and day on my favorite trails. I'm caught in a dilemma though. I'm six foot four, 225 pounds. And while I've upgraded my wheel set to a Stan's flow EX and the drivetrain to, to an XT drivetrain and the brakes to Z's smart man. He's a big guy going for Z's. Yeah. I feel that the Fox 32 performance fork and Fox float performance, shock are not keeping up since this bike likes to party when it is piloted by me.
1: Yeah. Honestly, you know, he goes on to say that, you know, he's struggling with flex in the front end and bottom out resistance. Um, I really think that at your weight and what you do on that bike, a 32 is way undergunned. Oh, totally. And I also think he overheats the, you know, the float inline shock. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. So, I mean, your best bets are gonna end up being something like the, the new DPX2
0: mm-hmm.
1: from Fox. Does
0: that come in non-metric?
1: Uh, yes, uh-huh. it does. Oh, yeah. cool.
0: So then, yeah. Then so yeah, you so
1: you're going to need a, a DPX2 or, um, you know, something similar like, a the super deluxe, which one is the one that, that is non metric? Uh,
0: the non, no, the, the new deluxe and super deluxe, I think are metric only,
1: okay but cool. I could
0: be wrong. So in that case, what you would have is like a Monarch, uh. Plus I think they yeah call monarch
1: it. plus. Yeah. So you're going to probably want to go to a monarch plus
0: you won't want to um, go to a big volume shock on that bike.
1: No, you just want a reservoir. Exactly. You want an external reservoir with a, you know, medium or, you know, standard volume canister.
0: Yeah. Cause if you have like a big volume canister on that thing, your bike is going to act like a waterbed. Yeah. You're going to have
1: no bottom out resistance yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. So definitely stick to something like a DPX two in the rear or a monarch plus mm-hmm. on the front. Um, you know, as short a travel as that is, you can get away with a 34, like one of the 2018 34s. That new fit four damper is actually pretty awesome. Yep. Um, if you want to go full party, put a 36 on it.
0: That That'd be awesome. Yeah. I that mean, bike uh, would be ready to rip. It would be Yeah, <laughs> nice short travel enduro bike at Heck that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I have nothing to add Steven. Yeah. You rocked that one getting into Afro Ronan's question. He says, Hey guys, love your podcast. Five stars for sure. My question is for my girlfriend. Mostly, uh, she's been looking to getting into my favorite hobby, which is mountain biking. And she's been looking at the Trek fuel E X eight. She liked it until we went to Ray's indoor mountain bike park in Cleveland, man, Ray, whoever you are, Ray, can you come to Reno and Every open Ray? I know. I'm They're a, all cool. I want, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want a mountain bike park in Reno like this, That'd indoor one. Yeah. I'm um, I'm afraid that we would not be able to keep it open. Without, no. <laughs> but I just want it. That's all. Yeah. Uh, anyways, he says uh, for her first time on the mountain bike, she did well and didn't kill herself. That's, that's very good. That's always yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. <clears throat> he says, while we were there, they just happened to have a track remedy eight to demo. She fell in love completely, completely, but the price is a bit much for an entry-level rider and tell you the truth. I love it enough to get both of us one, but spending that much money on a bike is a bit much. Would it be a good idea to get the fuel EX or the remedy eight? And what is the true difference in the two? Oh, and then he says, oh yeah, by the way, she loves the colorway on the remedy. And do you think the remedy is too much bike for a beginner? That's a good, yes. I think,
1: Ronan, half the battle is being comfortable on a bike and liking what you're on. So if she really likes the remedy, then it's not too much bike. And the thing is, is it gives her a lot more to grow with, depending on what kind of riding you guys are going to do all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Cleveland. I don't think that in that region, they have a bunch of like super gnarly. I could be wrong though. Yeah, Um, I'm going to say it's the wrong bike. And and I don't disagree
1: with you, yeah. but you know, it, 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 totally depends on what kind of riding they're going to do. It depends on, you know, her skills and what she wants out of it. Mm-hmm. I agree. But we also know that the fuel EX is a very lackluster bike in pretty much all realms. So, so
0: we've heard. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we've heard. I haven't ridden one, um, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah
1: I mean, I, I don't know. I, this is a hard one because it really boils down to what she feels comfortable on at the end of the day, you know, he, being, mm, go ahead.
0: He mentions that she loves the color. And, and I, I can, I totally get this too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll let aesthetics Trump other things. Of
1: course. No, that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I could, I could totally see that, uh, try to try to get her to look beyond that for sure. And if you're in this situation, try to look beyond that too. Yeah. The money side of things, look, man, bikes are what they are and a mm-hmm. remedy, like you can buy a lower end version of a remedy and it can, you can save on price, yeah. uh, the price I'm going to get away from the price and I'm more going to talk about the fact that I feel a longer travel bike will be harder to learn, uh, or it'll just be, it'll take her longer to learn certain bike skill things. Absolutely. You know, uh, she'll have an ability to get away with a lot with that travel, which Mm -hmm. will be good to make her safe. But at the same time, she probably won't be learning the handling principles that she needs to be a really proficient handler. Absolutely. Um, she will eventually, but you know, it's just, it'll be tougher when you have shorter travel, you kind of have like a more direct feedback system and it, it it allows you and it requires you to use more body English and proper technique and everything else. So,
1: and it definitely tells you when you've screwed up or when you've, you know, done something wrong.
0: Yes. So usually by putting you on your head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think, uh, you know, the remedy isn't a bad choice. But if you're looking for a better one for somebody that's just starting out, I honestly think like what we were talking about earlier, these like short travel bikes that are just above X C yeah. those things are awesome. They are like the Scott Spark one twenty, I think there's one, like to be an awesome yeah. bike and any of those. So yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Steve, he says, Hey guys. Oh, and again, actually, this is not me. Is I not did me. not
1: send another question in.
0: I'm going to jump back really quick because I would be remiss. I mean, for my wife, the reason that I, I got her a four five, a Yeti mm-hmm. four five. Okay. And one of the biggest appeals to me behind that, obviously I got her a Yeti because, it, you know, uh, it's me. As is tradition. Uh, yes. But the reason that I was re- particularly drawn to that bike was 114 of rear travel. hmm it doesn't feel that we all like for those that have ridden that bike, it doesn't feel like it's limited on rear travel. No, but it has a very solid feeling, as most of the Switch Infinity bikes do a very stable platform. Yes, but I wanted to get her a bike that wasn't going to be too much travel in the rear, yeah, because it was going to help her build that technique. So I've actually done this move and that's what I went for. Yep, so and it came in black and she liked the black,
1: yeah, black and storm. Yes, man. Yeah.
0: All right. Steve, he says, Hey guys, love the podcast and bike nerdiness. I want to get a gravel bike, but don't know where to start. Yeah. This definitely isn't you. You've got one. Uh, he says there are so many shades between shades of gray between cross gravel tire width, et cetera. Not quite 50 shades, but yes, there yeah. are shades between them. I ride a tarmac on the road and an Epic on the mountain, but would like to deviate from the specialized Colt. Although I love both my current steeds. I don't blame him, man. Those are good bikes. Yeah. Uh, he says, I like long distance XC and will race the t- crusher and the tusher on the new or used purchase. Only thing I know I want is a one by drive train.
1: There are so many good gravel bikes coming out right now. It also depends on to for me to recommend, is he going to be doing gravel grinders like, does he want more of a cross bike or does he want more of like a rigid mountain bike mm. setup? So something that I'm excited about and I would like to try out, I think, um, friend of the podcast, Kurt Gensheimer, I think he's going to end up getting the new Hakka MX from Ibis. Ooh, nice. I want to ride that.
0: Yeah. That's a really cool. fun
1: looking bike. Yeah. You know, you've got um a lot of boutique brands, you've got a lot of your you can titanium go like a, stuff. <clears throat>
0: a stinner. Uh they're a steel bike, but you can get one that's like uh, designed with a lot of compliance for gravel riding. Absolutely. The
1: thing is when you get into the metal bikes, you're definitely gonna be above twenty pounds, no yes, matter what. You will.
0: <clears throat> and you also uh to a certain extent the this is where carbon can shine. Yes. Carbon can really absorb a lot of the bumps and the vibrations and everything else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, so my super X, you know, obviously it's what, you know, Cannondale's billing as killer cross geometry. It's one of the, you know, the best cross bikes out right now. Everybody wants them. It's a great bike. I'm I'm putting 45 C's. I've got 45 C Riddlers on mine front and back. It's a killer gravel bike with a one by 11 drivetrain. I do road on it. I do commuting on it. I do gravel. I do cyclocross, like you name it. I'll just put different tires on it for different stuff. But that bike's. 17.2 it's pretty sweet with bottles and bottle cages and the 45c riddlers
0: the cool thing about the hawker like you said is that one has like really massive clearance yeah
1: it's clearance for like a 2.2 inch tire
0: yeah it's really similar to the open up in that respect which is a beautiful bike if you have the money you should get an open (laughs) yes indeed yeah um that one you can clear 650b 2.2s i think on it yeah it's pretty ridiculous
1: Gorgeous so, bike. so there's a lot of good stuff to go with. I mean, really, it depends on your budget and, you know, which bike you like. I, I would say Super X. I think the Haka MX, mm-hmm. I think, um, uh, Canyon's gravel bike is good. Yeah. a nice looking bike. Um, yeah. I think that that the geometries on that are good. Um, there's so
0: much out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, you can, you should just go to above category and Sausalito. Yeah. And if
1: you're in the U S and in San Francisco,
0: yeah. and just let them know. Yeah, build me up yeah. uh, a gravel bike. And yeah. they will do it right.
1: They will do it right. Yes. Such awesome people.
0: It won't be cheap. No. But it will be great.
1: <laughs> They'll get you an open. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: It'll be a good bike. Uh, next one is from <clears throat> Nomad 4 over SB6C. Fair enough. Okay. He says, what do you do when you come across wild animals on the trail? Recently in the summer, my buddy and I were out riding some trails during the middle of a hot day. We were descending down a steep, chunky, narrow trail. My buddy was leading about two to three seconds ahead of me. We came across a blind switchback, which carries tons of momentum as you carve with speed. As he turned the corner, right in the middle of the trail was a large coiled rattlesnake. (sighs) Okay. The only option at that point was for my buddy to run it head on and avoid a crash. He ran the rattlesnake over and started yelling snake to notify me, but I couldn't figure out if he was yelling as he was, or what he was yelling as he was ahead of me. Just want to say that is never a good strategy. I understand that maybe he didn't have an option, but, uh, back in the day when I rode motocross, I rode over a snake Mm -hmm. uh, because I hate snakes. Okay. I hate them. And, uh, I rode over a snake and when I did that, it... came up and bit my boot yeah it wasn't a rattler i had that once. that would be really bad yeah so don't think that because you're going to ride over the thing that it's going to try to run away it's just going to get angry and bite you i didn't know so you hated snakes let's not get into this okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> traumatizing events from childhood so he says um as soon as i came across the blind corner the triangular headed large rattlesnake was raised above rattling his rattler and ready to strike yikes I soiled my drawers, he says. And I don't, that's cured. not how he typed it. Okay, yeah, like, anyways, I like the
1: G-rated version.
0: Yeah. Uh, slammed my front brakes and turned my bars and went over the bars down the trail away from the snake. Thank goodness. Yeah. Can you imagine falling? It'd be like that scene in Indiana Jones. The most terrifying thing in the world. I've actually never seen that movie. He falls into a train car full of snakes. Doesn't sound good. It's the worst Why is there a train car full of snakes? I don't know. It's Indiana Jones. You know how they do it. Okay. Anyways, he says, ever since this episode, I grew fear of the trails and stopped riding for about a month. When I did ride, I became extremely cautious, was super slow, and did not enjoy it as much as I was constantly overthinking. This passed with time and I soon began to get my mountain bike passion back. A few months later, as I start going back to my normal biking habits... I come across a pack of four coyotes who were aggressive and started following me as I was climbing a fire road. Coyoters, coyotes are, yoders, I almost said they're, are common where I live, but they're usually solo. This is my first time seeing a pack of them. They've always kept their distance and ran off scared if I ever came close. This time though, these little wolves were confident and coming closer no matter how loud I started yelling at them. They were looking at me as prey, uh, but luckily a few random riders were trailing me a couple minutes back and the coyotes became scared as the bikers started approaching. So, do I chalk these inst- instances instances instances, man, that was hard to say. Yeah. Up to bad luck. Yes. Yes, you do. Or do I need to carry a horse <clears throat> antibody venom? Uh, I think he's, <laughs> that's pretty tough. Horse antibody venom kit and a handgun with a silencer to ride in peace. Thanks for answering this. answering this. I'm sure you both have similar stories on how to handle these situations. Best MTB podcast ever. Mm. And mm. I'm a trainer road user with strong progress. Good nice. to hear.
1: I've come across all sorts of wild animals, um, it, it's happened a lot. Um I've had multiple I've I've run over and killed rattlesnakes and garter snakes and, and different kinds of and
0: I know people are saying don't kill them leave them be. Well,
1: a, I mean a, I it just didn't know. have a choice. Uh, yeah, yeah and
0: and I'm I I'm I'm sorry if I'm becoming an enemy to those people but I can't I can't.
1: Yeah. I can't. I mean it, just being honest Jonathan has real reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, bad stuff. So, um, and I've also had, you know, tons of coyote instances. I've, during night riding, I've had, you know, mountain lions, you know, you just see their beady little eyes like 50 feet off the trail in in the forest, just continually behind you. And honestly, Coyotes are the least of your worries. Yeah. Even in a pack of four, they're not going to do anything to you.
0: I, it's, I mean,
1: it's like trying to kick a Cavalier King Charles off of you. They're not, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're not going to hurt you.
0: Yeah, it's so rare. I mean, I have heard of coyotes attacking like small children. Yeah, before. but not a
1: big human on a bike. Like, I'm sorry. It's so rare. Do not worry about but
0: that. But I, I, I understand your concern yes. for sure. Absolutely. Um, but I think that you're fine there with that. Um, yeah, I mean, carrying an anti-venom kit is not a bad idea. Yeah. I've heard of people doing it.
1: Yeah. Especially if you do live in a snake prone area, Arizona,
0: California, Nevada, you know, Utah, uh, it's, it's not a bad idea to carry that with you. Um, but the fact is like, so part of riding for me, part of it that I really like is having that experience when I'm out in nature and I get to be with those animals Now, granted predators aren't great to just hang around by and snakes, I'd be fine if they were gone, but uh, when you're dealing with it in this situation, man, uh, I, you, you can't overthink it, you've just got to carry on and think of all the other times you rode and all the other times other people have ridden and remember okay. the odds. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you're all right, carry on, but I understand. Um, yeah. so JP bikes a lot says, Hey guys, two completely unrelated questions for you. First on grips. I see so many people, including many pros using ESI foam grips. What's the deal. Are these grips that good? Well, Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah, man. They are good. Oh yeah. Okay. Next question. (laughs) Well, they're good, man. I I think a lot of people disregard them because they think I need lock-ons and they need to look like moto grips because I'm super gnarly and I'm downhill and I'm enduro and I skid on trails all the time. Right. You don't need lock-on grips.
1: And with that said, um, the scalpel that I'm riding right now, it has ESI grips and I actually enjoy them.
0: They're awesome. Yeah.
1: They're They're good. And they're ridiculously light. So if you want to, if you have to shave that extra like 37 grams off of your bike do that
0: that's a good way to do it and they're comfy i they like are. them yeah yep. uh, they, and they work and they're they wear they wear down sure but they're cheap um mm-hmm. when they're wet they're still good unlike yeah. a lot of foam grips because these aren't foam they're silicone Yeah, so that's a difference so
1: they're there. still grippy even with soaking wet yep. uh gloves every yeah
0: yep uh you know if your gloves get coated in mud that's a different story well, yeah. but that's going to be slippery no matter what true um the the one thing is you know they aren't as durable at all as lock-ons no
1: but uh, they're also but, you know they're not supposed to be. a third of the price yeah yeah
0: exactly so you can They're meant right to be a wear item exactly yeah. right Uh, secondly, I'd love to get your thoughts around bike store. First of all, uh, I recommend these for XC. I can totally see somebody using them even for Enduro. I totally could. Um, just know that, you know, if you tear them, they can be kind of a pain, but. Exactly. Um, anyways, secondly, I'd love to get your thoughts around bike storage. I'm lucky enough to have a wife that allows me to store my bikes indoors. I was able to win this battle because I was told that where we live in Phoenix, Arizona, that storing your bikes in the garage is harmful to seals and fluids with the extreme hot and dry environment in the garage. What are your thoughts? How and where do you store your bikes? Thanks again for the great call.
1: I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Arizona's bad. I know, uh, you know, a lot of friends that actually, well, it's bad, very bad, very, yeah. bad, very yeah. bad place. No, <laughs> um, it's a very bad place for storing your bikes in a yeah. uh, non-temperature controlled area. Um, I actually have friends in the the car industry that they, they live up in Canada and they have a vacation home in Scottsdale mm-hmm. and their vacation home. They actually keep their 68 Firebird there, which is a beautiful car and they have to do weird things like keep buckets of like a a bucket of water in the car in Mm. the garage so that the leather interior doesn't doesn't dry and crack. Wow. So they actually have to keep like to keep moisture in there and they run a humidifier in their garage. I mean, they do, it's really weird the things that happen. So yeah, I don't know exactly what sort of, you know, direct issues you would have on the bike, but sure, it's not a bad idea. I mean, if it's 120 outside, Mm -hmm. your garage door, if it's metal is gonna be 160 and the inside of your garage is easily gonna hit 140 degrees.
0: Yeah, it gets super hot. Yeah,
1: so that's not a bad
0: idea. Yeah, my, my wife is from Phoenix and we go and visit our family there and we've been there in the summer a number of times and dear me it is hot yeah you know what they call
1: people from phoenix right what's that phoenicians
0: (laughs) ah yes they are phoenicians that sounds so yeah (laughs) i'm gonna say that now it's gonna be great (laughs) totally um and so i don't keep my bikes inside Mm -hmm. i keep them in a garage um but i don't keep them inside the house yes with me um, partially because I have a small 16 month old that would just like get his fingers caught in sprockets and all that stuff. He loves playing good. with our bikes when they're in oh, the house. He does. Yeah. Yes. It's his yeah. favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, also because, uh, in our house, we just don't really have like a huge wall where we'd be able to like store them, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, but if I did have a space and stuff, sure. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be, and I didn't have a small human running around. I would totally do it. Yeah. Um, but I store them in the garage. I don't store them so that they're. Uh, a lot of people I see like store their bikes upside down or they store them. So that they're like wheels up on a road bike. Sure. Cross mm-hmm. bike. Sure. But if I have suspension, I don't do that. Okay. Cause I have had actually with some, with my first bike, I stored it like that in our apartment mm-hmm. and, uh, it started to leak. The forks actually started to leak oil. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, it was not very good mm-hmm. on the carpet, so.
1: Yeah. I I store in the garage as well. Um, I store them. um, Cannondale actually makes um, these really cool rear wheel stands called the the grandstand. And I just store all my bikes in those lined up in the corner in the back of the garage. So I keep it away from the garage door and away from any windows um, just for any sort of like UV issues or just heat in general and security. And I just keep them off in the corner. That's it. There we are. Now I, I do bring them into my office at work.
0: Ah, yes. My bikes
1: do have a parking spot in my office.
0: Yes. And as do mine. Yes. Uh, The the one thing I would say is I, if you're going to store bikes on a wall, I would recommend looking at something that allows you to store the bike so that the frame is like parallel to the wall. Yeah. That way you just save more space than having them like wheels against the wall with the bike sticking out. Yeah.
1: Like they have the ones where it's like the two bike stack, um, yep. set where it just basically hangs by the top tube or whatever. Yeah. 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 You, Those you, are you actually make really one
0: out of wood that yeah. can look really cool. Most they of them are actually
1: like, made out of wood. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, just make yeah. one though.
0: Make one. Yeah. Uh, Eric says, Hey guys, love the podcast. Still trying to catch up on episodes. I uh, suppose it doesn't help re-listening to certain episodes where Steven gets to nerd out on the bike physics or on the physics of things. He says I'm not complaining though don't worry. Yeah. So Thank you. It. Yeah. A couple questions. I recently rode Downyville for the first time and I loved it. It was my first time really having a technical descending oriented ride rather than riding flow trails at the Demo Forest in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. I noticed after I got to the beginning of third divide that my hands were killing me mm-hmm. thinking, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> he says, thinking it must've been from me, death gripping the bars. What is something that I can work on to improve that is the grip just too tight in the grip, meaning his grip. Does it come with time? Does the suspension need tuning? So I don't need to feel the need to death grip the bars. It could be all of that. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. It totally good.
1: So yes, uh, it, it, first time, uh, butcher ranch alone is taxing on your body. Yeah. Cause you're constantly on and off the brakes. You're constantly turning, you're constantly, you know, focusing on, um, on controlling the bike. So yeah, that's fairly normal. Yeah. So I wouldn't know. Cause you've never done Downeyville still. Uh-huh. I, I still do not get this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Eric, absolutely. This is totally normal. Mm-hmm. There are a few things that you could do to alleviate it. Um, your Yeti five, five, cause he does mention that he has a yes. Yeti five, five. Yes. So. With a Yeti 5.5, i um, guessing it's probably the XL1 Eagle. Mm,
0: so probably. I'm guessing it
1: has, you know, that build comes with 180 rotors front and rear. Um, I found- What brakes would that come with? Well, it, it, hold Are on. Are you getting there? Okay. I'm getting there. Okay. Put the cart before the horse. <laughs> uh, first thing you, I would do on a Yeti 5.5, no matter what brakes you run, is put a 203 rotor on the front. The, ro- okay. the rotational uh, mass of that 29 inch wheel, just the inertia that it carries. I found even XTR trails with mm-hmm. RT99 rotors. Mm-hmm. 180 was not quite enough in the front.
0: Right. So And you're you're a bigger guy. Yeah. yeah. So
1: 203 was definitely needed. Mm-hmm. So first thing you do is do that. Secondly, if you have guide brakes, get rid of them. <laughs> 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 or <clears throat> or what you can do honestly is put a more aggressive pad on there because the one thing I've noticed is if you one finger brake with guide brakes, they're not you f- Coming from a heavy rider, yeah, you can't do that. You can't one finger brake. Yeah. So I always two fingers. So I'm index and middle oh. finger, okay. and I don't have to, you know, death grip the bar and death grip the brakes with a two hundred three one eighty setup. So that helps a lot. Yeah. So two hundred three rotor, more aggressive pads. If you have guides,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or go to Shimano's, um, and then from there, yes, your your arms are going to hurt like hell.
0: Yeah. Happens, man. It
1: happens. Like that is a, it's 19 miles of descending. Yeah. And Butcher Ranch alone is one of the like most technical, it just, it'll beat you. Yeah. Into submission. So you have to just build that strength up.
0: You mentioned two finger <clears throat> versus one finger braking, and we're talking about how many fingers you use on each lever there. Yeah. Um, I've never been a two finger brake on a bicycle.
1: Because I've always had Shimano's.
0: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Huh? But and I, I but to being, to it. and the reason that I haven't is probably because I'm a lighter rider, Yeah, I've needed it. Right. Yeah, Interesting. Huh? Yeah. Cause even on dirt bikes, um, at first when I started out, obviously, like when I was a little guy, I probably had to use like all four fingers or something just to pull on the clutch, yeah. but you know, no, I was always a one finger guy there yeah. too. Um, a couple things, uh, your gloves. Uh, you could have gloves that are very thin, very worn out or allow for slippage between your palm and the actual palm of the glove yep. that will make things way worse. Yep. So you want a really tight fitting glove that doesn't stretch very much. Yes. That will help. Uh, number two, you're riding too tight with your arms. You're yes. gripping too much. Yeah. Now I know what you're thinking is like, well, you know, I can't help it. And I get it because I rode Whistler for a week with 120 millimeters of suspension in the front and hundred in the rear. Yeah. So I get you on this. It um, took him
1: a week afterwards to even poop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> TMI. But, uh, <laughs> but with that, like the, even in that situation, what I found is that I was gripping the bars way too hard in the beginning. Yeah. And if I was breathing and relaxing and telling myself, relax those hands, relax those hands, then I was doing much better I also found that by the end of the week it was mostly gone yeah so it's it's a it's a conditioning thing to a certain extent but overall this does come down to a fact that you have a grip strength deficiency yes and I think that a lot of times when we lack grip strength we end up making up for that tension through the rest of our arms and in our shoulders and everything else uh, that ends up causing cramping and everything else in the hands but it ends up causing us to not ride the bike as we should. yeah., uh, too much tension in the body doesn't allow us to actually be mobile and separate ourselves from the motion of the bike and and just handle the bike pro- appropriately, yeah.
1: And just being Downeyville in general, I mean, you've got so many stresses on your, you know, oh. the first time you went that, I can understand exactly where you were, but you do just need to do it again. You need to relax. You need to focus on your breathing. You need to adjust your grip. You do not need a death grip at Down Evo. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's more detrimental even for an advanced rider.
0: Totally. And if you have more grip strength, then a lot of the time what that'll allow is just less contraction, less strain, less tension. Yeah. And it'll make it easier for you. Exactly. Uh, you can use like a, like a overhead kettlebell presses are a great way to do that. Um, I'm, I'm pulling this, a lot of this stuff, uh, actually the strength training coach that I'm working for, Fit, W-U-K-A-R, mm-hmm. Fit. you can look it up on Instagram, but anyways, he has a, a bunch of his training is actually focused on building up grip strength for gotcha. mountain biking. So he does overhead, uh, kettlebell presses, uh, farm farmers carries the whole thing where you're just, you know, carrying around weight, I, even though as simple as silly as that sounds, just carrying weight as you're walking around, moving yeah. through things. So, um, yeah, it's something that will get better as you work on building that specific thing. I know that's sounds like an obvious answer, but hopefully this gives you a bunch of equipment things to suss out. And then also just brings you down to the main cause of the issue.
1: So now that you do CrossFit Jonathan, um, <laughs> what size tractor tire are you going to buy? Oh
0: my gosh, this guy. No, uh, I should be very clear. This is not CrossFit oh, um, at all.
1: That's what all CrossFitters say.
0: Yeah, no, I have, uh, been to CrossFit actually within the past little bit. I, I went and, uh, I did well, relatively speaking uh-huh. for being the first time and, and being, you know, like, uh, you know, a cyclist, let's be real. Okay. <laughs> but I was, I was like full on, like, not even functional because of the level of doms that I had going on afterwards. Wait, what's a Dom? uh, It's delayed onset muscle soreness. Ah, it was, you know, like that two day soreness when somebody says, here's some stairs, walk up them and you go, oh no, you don't get it. No, where's the elevator? Yeah. Yeah, Like I can't do that. So yeah, yeah, it was basically like that. Gotcha. Yeah. No CrossFit for me. Okay. Yeah. Occasionally, you know, I'll drop in and see the folks there the good people, but yeah. Good people. Are you, <laughs> let's close this no. one off.
1: <laughs> I wasn't being mean. I was just saying you just blanket statement that they're good people.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the people that I see there are okay. good. Yeah. Okay. And I'm speaking of specific people. Let's just move on. Shall let's we? close this thing off. <laughs> uh, that's uh, all the time that we had. I have to get back. This is during my lunch break. Me too. I have, to, too. Get back I have to get back too. Both I'm of important. us do. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about me. Both of us have to get back. Uh, thanks for listening. Submit your questions, uh, to mtbpodcast.com and, uh, coming up soon, we're going to have some deep dives on some interesting topics, uh, but we'll also be addressing those questions you submit. Yes. Thanks for listening and sharing.
1: Buy shirts, buy top caps. Things. Get them. Help us get to Sedona so we can go ride with you guys at the Mm -hmm. mountain bike festival next year. Indeed. We'll talk to y'all next week. Good day.